Let us pray. We've gathered here, O oh God, to encounter a holy word from you. No mere mortal words will do. So be gracious to our seeking with the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We ask it in the name of the Word made flesh. Amen. Everyone has a dream. The dream is what gets you up in the morning. It's what you're chasing day after day. Every important decision that you've made, you've made based on how close it gets you to the dream. And if you don't know what your dream is, then the dream is to find a dream. <laughs> As you get older, the dreams may change, but they are always with us. Some dream to do something significant, to make a difference in the world. Others have quieter, more subtle dreams. They just want to make a difference in their children's lives, or in a small church or a classroom. Those of us who belong to the church have inherited a great dream called the coming kingdom of Christ. And we spend our days striving for some approximation of it. That's what the daytime is for. It's for striving, sometimes struggling, and sacrifice, all towards the work of the dream. But you know, eventually you have to go to sleep, or at least go to bed. And lying awake in bed is the worst part of the day for dreamers. Because that's when you have to consider all the ways that your dream can be dismantled. All of the threats and all of the fears return in the nighttime. You toss and you turn. You try counting sheep or thinking happy thoughts. You close your eyes and try to will yourself to sleep. But eventually you open them stare at the ceiling and the dreams return like monsters under your bed, being threatened by fears. You wonder about that lump you found while you were showering in the morning. You wonder what you're going to do with all this education and all this debt if you can't find a job because there are people counting on you. We wonder if these missiles are actually going to start flying between our country and Korea. But some of the fears are not so dramatic. Some of them are much more quiet. You wonder how long you can stay so lonely. Or you're, you've grown tired of the grief that seems to come back every night. Or the chronic illness that seems to never be healed. You wonder how you can be as old as you are and not have a dream worthy of your life. And you stare at the clock which is silently screaming that the time is slipping away from you. During the daytime, 
we are allowed the favorite narcotic of busyness which protects us from these fears. But at night, at night they come back. Some nights are so dark that you begin to well up and the tears slowly start to wander down your cheek. The night tears are the worst ones because no one can see them. No one except God who sees so clearly in the dark. In the words of David, you, O God, have kept count of my tossings. You've kept my tears in a bottle. Isn't that an extraordinary verse of the Bible? The God of heaven and earth, the master of the universe, has kept count of your nighttime tossings. Every tear you shed has been kept in his bottle. That's a promise to which you have to cling, especially if you're going to make it through the dark nights. David was facing a very dark night when he wrote this 56th Psalm. He had been anointed by old Judge Samuel to become the next king. And inspired with the dream that Samuel had given him, he was so courageous, able to slay uh, Goliath, the giant. He led Israel's armies to one victory after another over the Philistines. The people loved David. They wanted him to be king. But Saul had the job and wasn't about to give up being the king. He was so threatened by David, he tried to kill him. So David has to run away, a fugitive from his dream. Perhaps out of fear, or maybe being driven a little crazy by being on the run all the time, David makes the decision to hide in Gath, the city of the Philistines, the home of Goliath, his enemies. He's hiding with the enemy. When the Philistines find David, they're enraged. They drag him to the king. And David starts to act like a crazy man. He begins pawing at the walls and he's drooling down his beard. And it works. The king is so disgusted by David, he says, just throw him out of here. And it's then that David writes this 56th Psalm. It is a favorite Psalm for those who are driven crazy by the light, late night fears. You know, the human heart is only so big. It can't contain all of the fear and anxiety we try to keep stored in there, particularly because fear grows. It's like a cancer. It just wants to take over. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can't ignore your fears. They will come back every night if you let them. You can't manage your fears either, by the way. You can't argue your way out of being afraid. I have spent over 30 years as a pastor trying to convince people that their fears are groundless, and I've convinced zero. 
I can't even argue myself out of my own fears. Every time you come up with a reason why what you're afraid of happening probably won't happen, you can come up with two more reasons why it could. No, the, the only way to handle fear is in prayer. That's what David's doing in this psalm. This is his prayer. And in prayer, we enter into communion with God, and in that communion, we are renewed in a perfect love. And perfect love does what? It casts out fear. That's how you manage the fear. You give it to God in exchange for perfect love that removes fear's power. If you don't do that, the fear is going to make its way into the driver's seat of your life. And like David, you're going to start doing the crazy thing. Think about the worst decisions you've made. The chances are great that you were wrapped in fear at the time you made those decisions. I'm not saying there aren't reasons for alarm. I'm saying that the alarm is a call to prayer. And in prayer, all of the power is taken out of the fear. When David left Gath, he then found sanctuary at the cave of Adullam. And that's when he writes these incredible words of the next Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. My soul takes refuge in you. Under the shadow of your wings will I take refuge until the destroying storm goes by. There's nothing in any page of the Bible that promises that if you make careful choices, you can avoid the destroying storms. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But this promise, this promise will get you through it. This promise is that you can always find refuge under the expansive wings of a Savior. There's room under those wings for you and for those you love and, in fact, for the whole world that Jesus was dying to love. Under those wings, we are renewed in the church's great affirmation that our only comfort in life and death is that we belong to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The wings are there. But you have to pray to see them. And in seeing them, you're renewed in this perfect love, which alone is going to cast out your fear. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.